What's up, guys? Back for another episode of My Biggest Lessons. This is your host, Chris Mead. And I got a good friend on today, Pete Senna from Digital Surgeons. What's going on, brother? How are you? What's up, man? Good to see you again. Good to see you. Thanks for jumping on. We've been uh, internet friends for a while. And I wanted to kick it off with something I don't even think I told you. When I graduated from Quinnipiac back in 2014, one of the first jobs I applied to was digital surgeons. Because I remember at the Quinnipiac would always like their mentorship and their film communication program would always like post you guys. You guys have been at it for a long ass time, right? Like we have. that was one of the first applications I've ever sent in was digital surgeons. I didn't get a response back. I didn't get a job interview, but... That makes me angry. I got to talk to my recruiting team because damn, did we miss out. <laughs> kind, kind of funny. But yeah, I do remember that being one of the first applications I've ever sent in my entire life. So uh, that's pretty cool. For people who don't know what digital surgeons are, not from Connecticut, what's kind of give me the 30 foot overview? Yeah. So we're a brand experience consultancy. So I started the company in my Yukon dorm room like forever ago. The light makes my gray hair look really good today. But yeah, we do brand strategy, brand experience design. We do a lot of work with challenger brands, venture-backed startups, and a lot of the Fortune 500 enterprise brands. Our whole shtick is around designing demand. So we focus through the brand strategy lens, brand experience, brand design, marketing, growth marketing. You know, folks hire us from a project perspective or on a routine perspective, and that's what Digital Surgeons does. So I did that for, call it 15, 16 years. And then somewhere in that journey started doing a lot of advisor work, a lot of investing work, angel investor. And then now a lot of the work I'm doing is coaching badass founders like you, Chris, basically being the consigliere behind the scenes to just kind of share the things that I've done that had me fall on my face. And hopefully I can save people from doing that. Yeah, no, I love that. And you're actually, so when I started this podcast about six months ago, I was like, I'm never going to have any agency owners on here, right? And it's only brand focused. And over the last, like, let's call it three to four months, we've starting to got to know each other a little bit more. And you're smart as hell, right? Like there's stuff that oh, like, thank you. you could, you could help cross it out. You could help good support. You could help so many of the listeners out so badly. So I thought it was important to have you come on today. So kicking back to your Yukon dorm room days, like what made you feel like you were the one that could give brand advice, right? Like had you built a brand before, like if I'm crossing it, right? Like why would I cut you a five or $10,000 monthly check instead of all these other agencies out here? What separates you guys? Yeah. I mean, the easiest answer to the question is you wouldn't have cut me a check back then because I didn't know what I was doing, right? I was just a kid at UConn that knew how to design and code things. And like anything, it's like, if you want to get strong in the gym, you got to do the reps, right? So for me in the beginning, I took every job I could and I helped every person that I could. Fast forward now 17 years, why we cross net one ideas. I've taken a number of businesses to IPO. I've worked on some of the largest brands in the world. I've worked with some of the largest celebrities in the world from Lady Gaga to Kanye West. I mean, the, the names go on and on. That's 18 years later, right? So back then, one of the things I say to people is don't fake it till you make it. Be 100% honest about what you've done. And all I can do is share my experience. I can share the things that I've done. So back then, I wouldn't have dared give you advice, Chris, because 17 years ago, if you wanted to know like how to code something or how to design something that looks good, absolutely, I was your guy. But back then, I had no reason for anybody to listen to me. You know, fast forward to today, I've done a lot. I've lost a lot. I've won a lot. So perspective and experience is there. So that's, I think, the big shift is that a lot of folks that are in their dorm room, they think they know it all and they pick up a program or they learn how to do something and they think they're a badass. For me, I like to let the results be the recipe. Makes sense. What do you say to agency owners that 
have never like created their own brand or run their own brand before? Should like somebody like myself trust them if they're just a media buyer? I think there's a lot of different types of agencies, right? So my agency consultancy, we focus a lot on brand strategy, on brand experience and growth marketing. So advertising and media is just one piece of our bigger puzzle, but there's a lot of different types of agencies. So what I always tell people, if you're partnering with an agency or consultancy is find out what they're best at. You know, what's the thing that they're going to be able to move the needle on most? It might be PR or it might be media buying or it might be analytics or decision sciences. It might just be visual design or UX design. I think everyone's got a different focus. You know, our focus has always really been towards brand and brand experience. With the name like Digital Surgeons, we're really focused on helping people win in digital channels, which now is the channels that we all rely on. But when I first got started, a lot of brands that we worked with, large brands, we were taking them digital. So I think that the reason to listen to an agency is look at what they've done and look at what they can do for you. I think the benefit of an agency is that they see a lot. They get to work on a lot of different types of brands. But you got to be careful, right? Because there's certainly... Just like there's a lot of charlatan founders out there, there's a lot of charlatan agencies out there. So what I always say is just speak from a place of truth. I always ask the question like, what are you not good at? And we are the first person to tell you what we're not good at. So yeah. I think that that's the place I would start with that. So we're like nine months into the year, right? Like I'm having these conversations with our CFO of what we can and what we can't afford from a branding perspective. And also I've, I've struggled with this on the PR side too. How do you quantify the ROI and look your clients in the face and say, because obviously you guys are killers, right? Like you've worked with amazing brands, but let's let's call it a 10K monthly retainer. How are you justifying the ROI on a, a brand makeover or brand lift? I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of people listening that want to do that. And it's like, is the money worth it? How do I justify this investment? Yeah, I think it's a fantastic question. And I'll be honest, you'd have to add a couple of zeros onto your number if, if we were going to work together, to be totally honest with you, because yeah. most of our retainers are significantly more than that. But I just want to set the table for everybody listening to this. So I think the first thing to look at is that most people hear the word brand and they think of logo, fonts, and colors. And when I think of brand, what a brand is, is it's the space you occupy in the hearts, minds, and wallets of your customer. Right. So I think, Chris, you've built a fantastic brand. Right? I think you would be stupid right now to go and overhaul that. Because the reality is what a brand is to me is helping people focus on what is the problem that you solve? What's the personality and how you express that? And how do you win in the channels? So you're killing it. So for me, if you were to hire digital surgeons, we would first start with what we call a demand audit. We'd look at all the things that you're doing. You're doing so much so well. You're kind of a bad example because you know, you're just such a student of the craft and You've just done incredible things with community building and TikTok. And so in a lot of ways, when I sort of did a top down with you and we had sort of a, a couple of calls because of our Twitter friendship, I was like, wow, these guys have their shit together. You're doing the smart stuff. You figured out attribution early using platforms like Triple Whale. Like you're, you were definitely ahead of the curve. You know, I see folks, we just did a conversion for a $100 million company where we did a brand experience project for them. I'm not going to name them just because there's a reason why I won't name them in a second because I want to give you the failure stories that your podcast is all about. But basically, we did a $100 million turnover, turnaround for them, replatformed the Shopify Plus, taking them off an enterprise e-com platform, overhauling all their digital workflows from email perspective, helping them figure out a community strategy. Right now, we're working on a, a token strategy for them because they've got a pretty couple of prominent names where it makes sense to have an NFT, not just like a apes, monkeys and apes, but something that's going to be access tokens and whatnot. And they're killing it now. But I share that with you because you were so far ahead of them. You know, you've always been what I call a Ford obsessed founder, which is my whole mission is help people understand how to become Ford obsessed founders. So I think to sort of double back to your question, when you think about branding or brand experience, it's about what's the story and the experience that you're telling. You know, I think the problem with most startup founders, they hear the word branding and they think look and feel and aesthetic. 
And that's not how we think about branding. How we think about branding is how do you communicate? How do you go to market? What's your channel strategy look like? And sort of connecting those dots. Now you, again, you're a unique animal in that I think you've done a fantastic job. The product is killing it on shelf from a packaging perspective. The one thing that I would say, like when we were talking and you've already made huge improvements to this is just sort of giving me a reason to believe, right? So for those that don't already know about CrossNet or whoever your brand or business is that's listening to this in the future, what's the problem that you solve? Like what's the world today before you know about or use my product or service? What's the world in the future once you've used my product or service. And I think that that sort of transformation is what we help people figure out. And that's why a startup founder wants to invest in that. You know, what's funny is 90% of startups fail, Chris. And one of the number one reasons, if you look at the data, it's because of product market fit. Now, what's interesting is people typically look at the product and they say, oh, it's my product that's not reaching product market fit. A lot of times it's the story they're telling. We've come into companies sometimes and made a small tweak, Chris, to what seems like nuanced, and it's a game changer for them. So I hope that answers the question. No, it does. And I appreciate that. I, I think I got very lucky because I tell the story a lot, but my fiance is in charge of all of our brand marketing and she's been along for five years doing this. But it's like a, I got very, very fortunate that I had somebody with such experience on the brand side come in early and for free with CrossNet. So she was just like giving us great free advice. And I look back at the shitty packaging I was making and Photoshopping like, holy, f- how did we like, how did we put that on the shelves? It's a tough hire because like, on the brand side, how do you justify an agency or is it a $75,000, $80,000 hire when you're just a startup? But it really is the difference between having a brand that like can exist in this crazy like e-commerce world today or potentially fail, right? So, Well, it's interesting. It's like If cool. you look at one of my favorite people that I think has done some really awesome stuff in the DTC space is Nick Sharma, which I know you're a big fan of. So I'll mention him because I think he's, he's shown a lot of folks how to do things on a shoestring budget. And it, which I think is really inspirational. I'm certainly a big fan of his newsletter. I worked with Hint Water, which was one of my clients that he had worked with, you know, and sort of built some stories on the brand and how he helped with them with influencers and whatnot. And I think what's interesting about Nick is if you really dig into his stuff, if you watch some of his interviews, he's talking about branding all the time. He's just using it through different tactical lenses. But I think there's a, as you grow a business and grow a brand, it's easier to brand first than it is to go back when you're in your series B of funding or if you're a public company or whatever it is, and then to go overhaul and fix certain things. So, you know, what I tell people is like, whatever your position is in the market, that position should probably last from 12 to 18 months. And then once you've achieved and won that position, you want to expand that position again. But your brand personality and your sort of brand narrative that's not going to change all that often, right? I mean, I'd have to imagine if you if you go back four years, three years, a lot of the vision and values that you as a founder have, Chris, you're still holding on to with your team, right? Exactly. 100%. Yeah. So I think early on, well, if we had worked together when you were first getting started, I would have challenged you to map out what the vision is for CrossNet. How are we going to express that in the world? What's the problem? What's the positioning look like? And being able to sort of look at volleyball, look at Foursquare, look at those different juxtapositions of recreational sports and games. And you killed it, right? You you understood how to authenticate plug into that collegiate mindset, that college mindset early on. And now you're so much more than that, of course. So I've got people that are my age playing and using your product, but I think early on you knew how to nail it and you knew your position. So yeah, I think it's it, brand is one of those things that it's funny because the ROI of design is really well measured when it comes to consumer experiences like CX and UX. You can really measure the uplift in conversion and the uplift in brand affinity and how does that play a role. But I think what people don't often think about is 
how those investments early on make a difference. And it's funny, right? Because I look at it today, I advise a lot of DTC brands and I'll be honest, like they're spending a lot more than 75 or 80,000 a year on someone that's helping them with brand, whether it's like someone shaping the creative or shaping the message or maybe designing their community strategy. A lot of branding folks now are helping people craft messaging for communities. So it's a big topic, one that I'm obviously biased and passionate about. I love it. That's a perfect time for our sponsor from Gorgeous. You've got to check out Gorgeous. I hate paying for things, but I spend way too much time on free customer support apps. Gorgeous allows us to talk to our customers within seconds, update them on product information, answer any questions they have, and it's all done in a very nice and easy to use tool. Oh, do you have a question for your billing department? Send them a quick message and tag them into the conversation. Gorgeous has turned our customer support into an absolute profit center and has generated over $3 million in revenue in just the past 18 months. We are forever thankful. Boom. Beautiful. Cool. All right. Let's keep riffing it. We kind of look at here at my biggest lessons, right? Is like the biggest things you wish you could turn back in over a 17 year career. I want to know like, what's your advice for people who are starting an agency right now, regardless if it's a performance marketing or branding agency, what are some things that you look back and you're like, shit, watch out for this because this me up for a full year or could have destroyed the entire business. Yeah. So I'm going to give a very raw and real answer here because this is what the biggest lesson is about. First advice I would give to someone thinking about starting an agency, don't start a agency. So what's interesting is the reason I started an agency was because I've got ADHD. So I'm always looking and tinkering with the next technology or looking and tinkering with the next tool. And as a result of it, I wanted to come from a place of service, right? So early on, one of the first jobs I thought I was going to have coming out of school was I was like, oh, I'm going to be a video game developer. And then I realized like I had to move and all this other stuff happened because you, you couldn't do that stuff remote back in the day. And then I realized I had some specific skills. But to be honest, like so little of my time these days goes to agencies and agency owners. A lot of the work I'm doing right now is as an angel investor, as an advisor, as a founder coach is working with a lot of these DTC brands. But to be really real here, if you're looking to start an agency, I would say really deeply consider why are you starting an agency? Is it that there's a very specific type of craft or tactic that you want to deliver? Like I want to be the best PR person at X, or I want to be the best media buyer at digital platforms like TikTok and Instagram, whatever that thing is going to be. And then look at the scale around it. My biggest lesson for myself was I was a frenetic creative tech guy that liked to work on a lot of different brands. One of my favorite things about starting an agency over when I first started was I got to work on some of the coolest brands in the world. And I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity if I was bouncing between jobs. Because in most cases, you're at a job, whether you stay a year or two, or back then it was a little bit longer, you can't really see certain things through in less than a year, in some cases, from start to finish. And I think that start to finish was really important. Because I was that like ADHD founder, I was able to like work with a lot of different brands that we had on retainers early on and get to see a lot of things through. Many of our clients work with us for more than five years, six years in some cases, right? It's We're proud of that. And I think the advice I would give to any person starting a business today, whether it's an agency or a brand, is be really clear on the problem you want to solve. Because early on, I wasn't clear on the problem I want to solve. When I first started this thing, my Yukon dorm room, it's like, oh, cool. I want to design and code cool shit for the internet. Yeah, That's not a clear position, right? So the advice I wish I could give my 19-year-old self was like, hey, Pete, why do you want to start the service-based business? And it's like, oh, I want to design really great things and I want, to, I want to do tech. Okay, well, why do you want to do that? If I kept going down that rabbit hole, what I would have arrived at had I had hindsight's 2020, Chris, right? But if I had that hindsight, what I would have discovered was I want to help people. 
And back then, I think what's nice about agencies, if you work at an agency or you start an agency, is it's the best way to build expertise fast. Because I've got friends that work at brands, and then I've got friends that work at agencies. The nice thing about the agencies is it's like a meat grinder, right? It's going to swallow you up. You're going to work on a ton of different stuff, but then you're going to build an amazing portfolio very, very quickly, whatever your craft is, if you're a writer, designer, marketer, whatever it is. So that's the benefit of an agency. Professional service companies are very frenetic, but if there's not a problem you want to solve in the world, like I want to stop childhood obesity. I'm really passionate about that. If that was a problem I wanted to solve... Starting an agency is not going to be the way to solve that problem, big picture. You know, so I think there's a lot of tension around that. But my path is my path. Again, I'm not prescribing it for anybody else. Agencies got pros and cons. I think where I'm going to add more value for you and your audience, Chris, is just some of the lessons I've learned as a founder, as a business operator, because some of the things I'm most proud of are not an agency. One of the things I'm most proud of is this tech campus I'm sitting in right now, which is a 20 plus million dollar tech campus right in New Haven. You know, like if I had that when you were a Quinnipiac student, you probably wouldn't have just settled for not getting that email reply back, right? You probably would have walked in the door and said, hey, Pete, you and the team need to hire me. At that time, we were probably 15, 20 people. Now we're three times that, so... That's incredible, dude. Yeah, and I think it also starts with like kind of defining success. We kind of talked about that before in one of our previous calls, but like a lot of people just wake up and I feel like they want to build CrossNet, right? They want to build their company, but not having the day-to-day objectives of like, why am I getting out of bed? What am I accomplishing today? What am I accomplishing for the next six months? Yeah, because it's so hard. Like we live in this world of like immediate gratitude, right? Like if I gratification, not gratitude. Yeah, it's crazy. Instant gratification. I wish we lived in a world of immediate gratitude, Chris. It'd be a better world. Exactly. You get what I'm saying, though. But like people just they give up after two weeks, after two months. You think of this great startup that you want to create. You think of this great agency. Hell, I can't attract the client. I give up, and I'm over my dreams. Like. Talk to me about patience, right? It's been 17 years of building this, the incredible studio you're talking about. Like, Put things into perspective for my listeners who haven't had that time to kind of develop their ideas. I've always been a big believer in diversification, right? Not putting all of your eggs in one basket, whether it be the tactics that you do or the things that you're learning. But the thing that I would say just really... Chasing passion is not something that you can tell someone to do. There's nothing more like you and I are very driven people, right? We've known for a long time what we want to do and how we want to get it done, right? Like that's something I've always valued about you from just the first tweets we exchanged online, right? I was blessed and privileged in that I knew what I wanted to do from a young age. I knew it wanted, I wanted to do something with design and technology and I wanted to make things that people used. I had that sense, but not a lot of people do. So if you're a young person just kind of getting started in your career, trying to figure out if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to just work for a company, what's important to you is experimentation, right? It's like, how do you develop your palate by tasting a lot of different things? So I think that that's a really important thing to do early on in your career is experiment a lot with a lot of different things. I'm a huge, I believe in this idea of a growth mindset, which is that always finding something that you can suck at to start from the beginning and putting those reps in. So whatever you want to do, I mean, there's some core base skills that I can recommend in a second, but I think what it comes down to is self-discovery, knowing thyself is the most important thing. And I think that's the biggest thing I see with people when they lack patience. It's that they watch the overnight successes that we see on social media. And they think just because someone's got a million followers, I was watching the Mr. Beast documentary, which I'm sure you know, Mr. Beast, right? I was watching his his documentary. And for those that don't know, he's just this prolific YouTuber that made this incredible following based on giving people things. Like he'd go up to a homeless person, give them $10,000 or whatever. Very much a just benevolent, very gracious person. And now it's like, 
you can order a Mr. Beast burger on Uber Eats or DoorDash or whatever, and it's a virtual thing for local restaurants. It's this amazing thing. So I share that story to say like, when he first started out, he was just like, I want to make YouTube videos, right? Like that's what he started out doing. And the evolution happens from exploration and trying new things. And what I always say to people is, I try to help them discover what I call the, the green zone, or some people have also referred to it as the zone of genius. And I talk about this a lot because one of my biggest lessons that I made, which I wish I could go back and change, was I didn't pay enough attention to my own needs. I paid attention to my clients' needs, to my team's needs, but I didn't pay attention to what really lit me up. So here I was in my early 30s at the time, I had built this multi-million dollar business and I had investments in a couple of other businesses, a lot of notable names that I won't name drop on you, and miserable. I was miserable and I went on this sort of like vision quest, if you will, and then I discovered this like user experience of me type of situation. And it was when I went down that journey, that path, what I realized was I had to take stock in what I loved and what I was good at. So anybody starting out in their career, like what I would say is like, make a list of the things that you're doing and how they make you feel. Like some people might love data entry or analytical work. Some people might love creative ideation or making content, but like making a list and just keeping track of it. I'm big on like journaling and I've got a daily meditation practice. I think those are things that I probably would have done when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. It would have helped me realize like, just because I want to help people doesn't mean I need to be in an agency business. Because the problem with an agency business, right? I was a creative guy, designer, developer. Most people that start agencies start them because, or anything, a brand, because they're into something. I have a friend who started a snowboarding brand that became very successful. He ended up selling it because he loved the snowboard. But what he realized is he didn't actually love running a snowboard business. So once he got to a couple million dollar a year snowboard business, custom boards, the whole thing, he realized, oh shit, like I did this because I want to be a boarder. I'm not in my zone of genius anymore. So at that point, if he had that exercise, if I had that exercise, which now I do with all my people that I coach, I could have helped him sort of steer towards what he wanted to steer towards and sort of give away the Legos he didn't want to play with. That's so well said. I I even found myself just a few weeks ago, like I'm so, as a founder, I'm so focused now on the cross net, like what are the cross net mission and the KPI compared to what's important for Chris? As much as Chris wants CrossNet to be the biggest backyard game in the world, I care more about being connected with my fiance, right? I got a wedding in two weeks, two and a half weeks. I care more about that happening, thank you, than the Shopify sales for today, right? Like, and I, and that's completely fine. I'm a human, and I also think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like, you you were very blessed that you knew what you wanted from the beginning. Like, I went to film school, right? I got into hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of debt for. I'm not using my film career right now, right? Like, it's okay if you don't know what you want to do. Because it's a long time of life out there. I'm 29 and like, sure, hopefully CrossNet better be in the world for the next 100 years. Will I be running the company? Hell no. There's no chance I'm going to be running it in 100 years, right? I'm going to be dead. But hopefully in 50 years, I'm, I'm passionate about something else. Or maybe in 10 years, I'm passionate about something else. And that's completely fine. But it's putting yourself out there, putting the reps out there, and not just being so siloed on one thing. But when you find that one thing, you better go all, all at it and not give up in the first two weeks. Amen. I want to just throw two things at you. So one, we should totally hook up when we both have time. I would love to take you through this exercise, Chris, because I think it would be pretty enlightening, maybe after the honeymoon and and the wedding and whatnot. I think you get a lot of value out of it. And I'm happy to spend some time doing it with you. The two things I want you to consider. One, I want you to consider how it feels when you have that connection with your fiance. And two, I want you to consider how happy I've seen it make you creating this backyard game. Right, you've brought so many people that that same connection feeling that you have with your fiance, you've created that connection with friends, with families, with other people and their loved ones because of 
all the amazing moments that happen when people are playing CrossNet, right? Like when people are like, oh, you know what? Instead of just like everyone sitting on their phones and not connecting with each other, they're going to be coming together and bringing it. It's like, if I look at like Top Gun Maverick and Ryan Tedder going viral with the Miles Teller shirtless scene. It's like, if you look at one of the best scenes, the most feel good scene, they're on the beach kind of playing together, which is very much the same kind of vibe that CrossNet brings to the table. So what I think would be interesting if we did the exercise together is you'd realize that what CrossNet is doing is actually creating cross connections in a way that's bringing people together and getting people to move their bodies and getting people to come together. So that right there is you're solving a whole different set of problems that you, I mean, of course you realize it because you're super smart, but most people might not realize it because they just see it as this backyard game they can pick up at the local sporting goods store or hopefully on the DTC website to move the Shopify needle. But you're doing so much more than that. So I think that that's an interesting thing is when you get down to the why behind you do something versus just the what or the how, then it's more than just Shopify metrics. Like if I was you, Chris, right? Like one of the things I would think about is how many amazing days have we provided for people a year because of them playing CrossNet, right? So you have these raving fans on TikTok, Instagram, everywhere. It's like, imagine if there was a like global counter that you could see like in a large installation. Like I, I always want to do like an out of home camp game for you where there's yeah. like, you set up like a hundred cross nets or, or whatever, like, and people are playing and there's just a, a global counter that's giant with your branding. And it's like, today we provided a hundred thousand good days for people. Like now, dope, dude. now all of that's a sudden, dope. instead of like, your CFO looking at it going like, oh, like what's our ROAS percentage today? And how does that cross with the Delta based on our media spend? What's our channel distribution? Now it's like, we provided over a million great days. Are you looking to have a great day? We've got a great game for you. I'm taking out the notebook, bro, because I got a, in my head, I'm envisioning a performance ad with a snow globe. And then there's a counter under it that says like how many did, like best days ever did we perform? And then they're playing CrossNet inside. It's hype to hit stop record on this so I can write this down. Yeah, That's such no, a damn I mean, good idea. Listen, but this is, this is brand, right? So I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you had that moment there because what we basically did is connected your purpose, Chris, right? That feeling you have with your fiance, your customer's purpose, wanting to do something great in their backyard besides just sitting out there and texting with each other, right? Yeah, exactly. And now instantly it's like, like I've got some clients in the outdoor space, right? you should probably talk to them because there's a collaboration there. But the bigger point here is when you shift the metric to something that moves people's hearts and minds, then it moves their wallets. And that's the brand magic, right? So for me, it's like best day ever with Chris or best day ever with, you know, with CrossNet. Now you've got all these new metrics that people can lean into. Now you've got a purpose that people want to get behind so that, I mean, I don't know where it goes from there, but that right there is brand story, right? That's brand experience. And you can do that because there's a bit of a playfulness with your brand, right? Versus if it was very much like a serious type of thing, that might be a little bit more difficult to do. It might be more analytical. So that's just the purpose of brand story. But I think getting back to your point about people, people aren't patient because we live in a world that is on demand. We push a button and liquor or food or whatever shows up at our doorstep in a car. We Ooh, live in a world in where- five minutes. I can't Amen, wait. right? Everything in five minutes. We can binge watch Cobra Kai or Stranger Things or whatever you want, like in one click, in one tap. We can get the Amazon one tap. I think people have this mistaken thought where that's the case. One of the things that I love about marketing is I tell people marketing is like getting in shape, right? If you're going to run a marathon, you can't just get up and run a marathon. You have to like run- and do a lot more of that to build up to it. Marketing is the same thing. Like anyone who expects overnight like growth hacks, 
they're smoking something because that's not the world we live in today and that's not sustainable growth. So I hope that's helpful for folks. I mean, what I would say is like, put the reps in, do the reps. And if you get stuck, hit me up. Like I'm open on Twitter. Like, you know, Chris, that's how we met, right? You were like, what I love about you, Chris, is you put yourself out there. You were so focused on, hey, how do I define ROAS in a better way? Like, here's what I don't know. People love you because of that. Because you're not like, hey, I'm the CMO and I know everything about marketing. You're pretty badass for all the things that you've done. But at the same time, you're approachable. Right. Like, and that's why people are going to subscribe to your email newsletter, why they're going to like jump on this podcast with you or listen to you is because you're a human being that wants to spend time with his soon to be wife. And that's amazing. Of course. Can't wait, bro. Yeah. No. And that's exactly what I pride myself on. Like, we're all humans. I'm 29, dude. I know you've been at it for 17 years, dude. Like, you have so much experience. And I think that's one like last lesson for everybody listening today is like, go find one or two people that you admire, people that you think you could learn from. There's nothing wrong with learning. Like, we all went to college or we went to high school to learn. The second you stop learning is to stop, like, the second you're like, up your potential. So like, I'm a yeah. moron if I'm not like trying to learn something once a day. So Pete, I appreciate yeah, I mean, I you, bro. Leaders are learners, right, Chris? For hours, dude. Yeah. I'm, ha- talk I'm happy to. Like I said, happy to chat with you anytime so, and hope this is valuable for the audience. I think just to kind of wrap it up, right? A couple of core lessons. Number one, if you're building a business, don't build the business around yourself. Make sure that you're building systems, that you're building workflows that will outscale you. If the business requires you to be there to run, it's not a great business. That's just a lifestyle business, right? So that's number one lesson that I up for 15, 16 years until I figured it out. Now I've got an amazing team that's running my company day to day and I'm investing, I'm advising and I have my time back, which is awesome, right? That's number one. Lesson number two is know thyself. Right. So like there's this great exercise you can do to find your zone of genius. I talk about it a lot, like ad nauseum on my Twitter and my medium page. And it's going to help you figure out who you are, like give away your Legos, delegate the shit that you don't want to do. And people are like, oh, Pete, that's easy for you to say now. You have all these resources. But dude, like in the beginning, I always ask people, what's your time worth? Right. I I got friends of mine that like they're making good money. And I'm like, spend a thousand or two thousand bucks a month on a virtual assistant, pay for Uber Eats Pro or or whatever you're going to do, like those small little life hacks so that you're going to get things more convenient. So like spend money on the things that are going to bring you convenience, even when you're first getting started is what I would recommend. And then last but not least is just like, don't grind for the sake of grinding. Make sure that like whatever you're doing, there's a bigger purpose. You know, for you, Chris, what I'm hearing is like that you're making people happy and having best day ever. And as a result of it, it's letting you have your best days ever with your fiance and that sort of thing. So what I would say is sort of find that purpose and lean into it. And the only way you're going to get to it is you're not going to wake up and just discover it. You got to just try a bunch of different things, you know, and you got to do the reps. So I hope that's helpful for the audience. Chat with you anytime, man. Love what you're doing with CrossNet and I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Thank you so much, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. For sure. Peace. So that's another episode of My Biggest Lessons. Each and every week, I'll be having one of my favorite entrepreneurs come on, share their stories, their mistakes, the things they wish they knew. Entrepreneurship's a lonely road, right? You only learn by getting better. You only learn by making mistakes. So I want them to come on, share their stories. If you have somebody in mind that you want on, drop a comment, subscribe, share with a friend. Let's get the best people in the world on here. Thanks for listening.